We're in Revelation chapter 4, and it is the beginning of the throne room. John is taken up in the spirit, it says, and he sees the candlestick realm. He sees Jesus ministering to his churches. And we saw the images and the pictures and the words of accommodation that paint for us what it's like for Jesus to minister to his churches. And, and he speaks and he sends letters to the congregations. And then it says, John, come up here. I want to show you a new realm, a new reality. I want to show you this next thing. And he comes into the throne room. And we talked about, we see the one seated on the throne. And we see the emerald rainbow around the throne. And the, the colors of jasper and all these different things. And I want to remind you that if Revelation, if many of it, if not all of it, is pictures and words of accommodation to paint for us what it is like to be in Jesus and Jesus on his throne. Because in verse 1 it says, This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and it was given to him by God. So this is actually Jesus' revelation. And he's now saying, I'm going to share it with you, my bride, so that you will see who I am and who you are in me. And we may talk about that a little more, but... So we, we've covered the emerald rainbow, and we've covered the carnelian gemstone, like glowing presence of the one. And we kind of briefly talked about them, but we might cover it a little bit more right now, of the 24 elders and the crystal sea of glass and some of these things. And so I'm going to start in chapter 4, verse 4. 4, 4. Encircling the great throne were 24 thrones with elders in glistening white garments seated upon them, each wearing a golden crown of victory and pulsing from the throne were blinding flashes of lightning, crashes of thunder, and voices. Burning before the throne are seven blazing torches which represent the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne there was pavement like a crystal sea of glass. All of these pictures and all these things are creating an image and teaching us and showing us. So you go, okay, you have the throne in the central place and the rainbow around it and all these flashes of lightning and thunder and voices and this ecstatic just experience before God's throne. Encircling the throne are 24 elders, as it calls it. And some say, oh, well, there are 24 angels. Some say it's the joining of the apostles and the uh, tribes of Israel. I don't really know. We don't really know. Uh, there was 24 prophetic books in the Old Testament. Maybe it's the 24 prophets, they're saying. All these different ideas. But if Revelation is showing us the throne room of Jesus and, and it is teaching us through words of accommodation, painting pictures of unseen, uncomprehensible realities, then I don't think the 24 elders are, they may very well be, you know, men. But essentially what it is showing it, 
to me is that it is the rulership that we have with Jesus. Right? It says that we are seated in heavenly places and we have been enthroned with Christ. And it, I think 24 is an interesting number. It's the number 24 hours in a day. So it's encircling the throne 24 hours a day, the men of God that he has set up to be rulers, which is us. And not only that, we see three things. They are robed, they are crowned, and they're enthroned. They're robed with righteousness and purity. They're crowned with authority and rulership, and they're enthroned with power and dominion. And those are all things that Jesus has said, I'm going to give to you as my church and as my people. And so I think it is symbolic of that. And it is revealing to us, this is is what you should remember today, that Jesus shares his authority with us. Because all authority on heaven and on earth, that's a big thing, and on earth has been given unto me, Jesus said. But then he says, I'm going to share this authority. I'm going to release you to go and I am going to, you're going to rule with me. You are going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be king priests ruling over this world. Because earth is my footstool and you are my hands and my feet. And so they're sitting on these thrones, 24 these elders. And it talks about the pulsing of flashes of lightning, which is... Uh, the power to destroy the lies of the enemy. We always see lightning and thunder as God's power against the enemy because Jesus said when he sent out his 72 and they came back and they said, oh man, even the demons bow to us. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And so before the throne, it destroys all lies. It destroys all evil. It is a powerful throne. It's surrounded by the grace and the mercy and peace of God, but it is also a powerful, demolishing activity. And so, and it says, In burning before the throne are seven blazing torches, which represent the seven spirits of God. And let's see, I wrote uh, a couple of notes on that. It's interesting, in the beginning, it talked about the seven spirits of God. And it says that the seven spirits of God that go out into the world, and I believe it is this symbol, and it is the Holy Spirit. If God is three in one, we all have this, the doctrine of the Trinity, and we go, well, God is three in one. And if you try to actually think about it and even try to explain it, you'll probably somehow explain it terribly wrong and create another religion. But <laughs> it's really true. Try to explain the Trinity without committing heresy, it's quite hard. No, seriously. Think about it. This isn't, there, there, there's, it's really hard to explain something like God, <laughs> right? And so if God can be three in one, the Holy Spirit can be seven in one. Because we see in Isaiah 11, two through three, it explains different manifestations and anointings of God. 
He, he explains the spirit of wisdom and spirit of the fear of the Lord and the spirit of all these things and explains them, and there's seven of them. And we see that throughout Scripture. We also see that in Zechariah 4, 1 through 10. It's the same thing. Explain, it's talking about the spirit of God, and it actually breaks it up into different categories. It is basically the seven manifestations and activities that the spirit does. Still the Holy Spirit, still one within a third <laughs> of another one. Don't put God in a box. I think that's what it's saying. And it says, And in front of the throne was pavement, like a crystal sea of glass. Some translations can even call it blue, like sa- uh, sapphire. But it is a crystal sea of glass. And again, it paints the picture, and it, it reveals it's crystal sea of glass. There's peace and tranquility and not tossing of waves or fear or anxiety, but it's perfectly still. And God's saying, I build my throne upon peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. I build my throne upon this. Everything is great upon this. And this is what's cool. Think about this. The sea throughout Scripture is often man, right? It talks about the sea of man, and it's the turmoil and the, the turning, and it's you know, the sea of man of the sin, of the things that come out of it. It's just this giant thing, and it contains all this evil and whatnot. And in this example, it's completely still, and it's brought to peace. Think about this. Jesus, when he was here on earth, brought complete peace and calmness to his sea here as well. You remember, he's riding across. He didn't like that. <laughs> he's riding across the sea. And remember, the storm is up and the sea is going crazy and he's sleeping in the boat. And then he gets up and he says, be quiet, be still. And the whole thing goes calm. What did he do? He brought the reality of heaven to earth. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And the reality of heaven is that there is a sea of peace and calm. And Jesus said, I'm taking what is from heaven and I'm bringing it to earth right now. And it happened. And in the same like manner, he commands us to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. He's saying, I want the two to look like each other. I don't want there to be a separation. And what's also, you can even stretch it as far of, it kind of is a callback to when the Israelites were crossing the Red Sea, that when the Egyptians were in the sea and it swallows them up, the next morning, what would have happened? The sun would have been coming up and you would have seen orange across the water and you would have seen all of your enemies on this crystal sea floating and there being complete peace of we're free from the Egyptians. And in the same way, there's seven torches before the throne, and it's on a crystal sea of blue glass. It would have been that same orange-looking piece. And lastly, we also see a call to the tabernacle of Moses. The, the bronze sea that was before the priests would come in, and they called it the sea because it was this giant tub, basically, that they would wash in and cleanse themselves before going into the temple. And they called it the bronze sea. 
And so all of this, that is what the throne is built upon. That is the foundation. And so it creates this wonderful picture of lightning and thunder and peace and calm and grace. And it's just the exploding presence of God around his throne. So I want to go to the next thing, which is really fun. Is around the throne, on each side, stood four living creatures. Some translations will call it beasts. It's just a bad translation. It really is. It's not the same word as beasts, and you see the other in, throughout the Bible. Beasts is a kind of a derogatory term. These are not beasts. These are creatures. But it's around the throne. On each side stood four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature resembled a lion, the second an ox, the third a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, full of eyes all around and under their wings. They worshipped without ceasing day and night, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the was, the is, and the coming. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to the one who is enthroned and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell face down before the one seated on the throne and they worshipped the one who lives forever and they surrendered their crowns before the throne singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things and by your plan they were created and exist. Now, I want to paint you a picture of what this is. There's different interpretations and understandings. But I propose, because of certain reasons, that these, these four creatures are not actually around the throne, but they are underneath it, supporting it, like pillars. You can kind of draw that context from the Greek, and then also in ancient rabbinic teachings and pictures that they painted it is actually painted as these four creatures holding up the chariot throne of God so it would basically be four pillars of these creatures and the throne is placed upon them the chariot fiery throne of God so imagine that put that as your picture for the creatures throne 24 elders seven torches all the things so you take these four creatures and you go, what is this all about? Now, here's the deal. A Jewish person would recognize these things. I need you to leave your Western mind behind. This was not written for Western people. This was for Middle, written for Middle Eastern people and specifically Jews. They would have gone, oh, I know those creatures. Because around the tabernacle of Moses, they had the 12 tribes camped out, right? And really, when you uh, take the different tribes that they had, like they'd take the really big one of Judah and they'd put it right here, and then they'd get a small one and a couple of small ones. And they'd do a couple of small ones here and big ones. And people have actually figured out the sizes of these different things and, and the way they told it, if they put them on four different things, it actually would paint a cross with the tabernacle right in the middle. 
And so you had the 12 separated into four groups. And of those four groups, they had banners that they would be known by. And what were the banners? It was a lion, it was an ox, it was a man, and it was an eagle. And these banners would symbolize the, the different groups that you were in, and they would be around nearest to the tabernacle. So the throne is actually a, an image of the tabernacle as well. And so you go, what are these creatures? Now, again, if these are words of accommodation, right? If we understand, oh, well, you know, we don't actually worship a fuzzy little lamb, but it's actually revealing to us the, the uh, whatever you call it, the way in which Jesus acts in that period. Because he's, he's described as a lion, and he's described as a lamb, and he's describing these things. And we see revelation that if you take it a literalist, will lose all that Revelation is trying to teach you. A literalist missed the first coming of Jesus. The Pharisees and Sadducees went, well, destroy this temple and rebuild in three days. How dare you say that? He's, I'm not talking about that. Don't be a literalist. I need you to understand with your spiritual ears and your spiritual eyes what I'm saying. So a literalist, when reading Revelation, will go, well, yeah, there's going to be locusts the size of Volkswagens. Is that what it's talking about? Or is that we realize that this is painting a picture of Jesus and us relating together. This is the revelation of Jesus given to by God. This is about him. And this is about us with him. And that's why he gave it to us. And so what are these four creatures? These four creatures are pictures of the stages of growth in Jesus. You see, the first one is the lion. And it, what is that painting the picture? It's the lion of Judah. It's the conqueror. When you come to Jesus, the first person you're going to meet is the lion because he's going to conquer your sin. You have to come face to face with the lion. He is the one who de he, he defanged the lion that roars about trying to devour. He came, he devoured your sin. He devoured death. He devoured the grave. He is the lion. And when you come to him, the first process is, I met the lion, and he conquered me. And in your growth with him, he then conquers everything that's trying to conquer you. He conquers everything that comes against you. He conquers every enemy that comes to oppose you. He is the conqueror. And so the, for your first process is you meet the Lion of Judah. And, that, and you, you reign. And see, this is all about authority and power and reigning with him. So the first thing you do is you reign with him and him being your conqueror and your king. The second one is the ox. And it also can be translated the young calf. Which, which Jesus became the young calf to be our sacrifice. But the ox, what does the ox resemble? What does the ox always do? It is, it is the plower, it is the worker, it is the servant. Right? It is servanthood. Jesus said, if you want to become great in the kingdom, you must serve. 
You must become a servant. You must become a servant of God and of man. And he's saying, the process of you learning to reign with me on my throne is that you have to learn to serve. The third one is the man. The man is Jesus. The man Jesus. It is you getting the mind of Christ and seeing Jesus as he really is. You get to behold. What you behold is what you will become. And when you behold the man, Jesus, you become like him. You are transformed by seeing his face, you are transformed into him. And so you get to behold him for who he is and for who he was and who he's calling you to be in him. And the last one is the flying eagle. It says that this is an eagle that is in flight. And I, this one is really one of the most exciting. I believe that the, the, the eagle is, the, is a picture of the overcomer. We saw in all the letters that Jesus sent to his churches is that there was a reward for being overcomers and conquerors and victors. He says, you will get the victor's crown. You will get the overcomer's crown. You will get to eat of the crown of life. He's saying, I have created you to be an overcomer. I did not pay the ultimate price for you to be a victim. I paid the ultimate price so that you would be an overcomer. And the eagle in flight is a picture of the overcomer. We are not bound by earth. It is flying above the earth. It goes into realms that no other creature can go into. You leave this earth realm and you ascend into another realm and you go far above where you're from. You know what's also fun? Eagles are flesh eaters. They, so think about this. This is the overcomer. And when you step into the eagle realm, it's going to devour all of the wrong things in your flesh. Because he says, the flesh, it's got to die. Because Christ has to be exalted. The eagle realm, and the process of you growing that is that this is a flesh-eating animal. It rises above in the spirit. It devours the flesh. It removes those things, and you go to new heights. It soars into the heavenly realms. I would even go as far to say that I believe God is saying, when you are growing in me, there comes a time that I'm going to take you into my, my throne room. I'm going to take you into my presence. I'm going to take you into heavenly places. Because he is, we are not bound by these things anymore because we are in the DNA strand of Jesus. The last thing is, did you know the eagle is the only bird that can stare directly into the sun. If you didn't get that, <laughs> it can stare directly at the sun and behold it. And as you are growing in Christ, you come to that place. Not only do you become the image of the man, but you become in the image of the eagle where you soar into new heights and into the heavenly realms and the flesh dies and you get to behold the sun that no other person can see. That's pretty cool. All through the Bible, there's 
there's instances of talking about the strength and the power and the agility of eagles. Uh, Job 9.26, Job 39, uh, Proverbs 23, Isaiah 40, all of these talk about uh, uh, eagles. And, you know, we know the verse that you will mount up on wings like eagles or on eagles' wings. And uh, it is awesome. And so I, I believe that it is a picture. Those, the creatures are a picture of us because how many wings did they have? Six. Six is the number of what? Man. And so the picture is there is this. Why, are, why do I not think they're angels or other things like that? Because they have six wings and it's showing that it's the angel of man or it's the, it's the number of man. And, that, and, then, and so you have six wings, number of man, and then eyes. If you ever paint a picture of what these things look like, just put the eyes everywhere. Just like, it said there's, wing, there's eyes underneath their wings, above their wings, behind it's just eyes. What do eyes mean? Eyes are revelation. Eyes are perceiving and seeing things in another realm. It says that there's eyes behind and ahead. So you see in the past and you see in the future and you see present and you see up and down and around and into other realms. Jesus says, you know, if you have eyes to see, then see these things. You have ears to hear. He's saying these are spiritual eyes of revelation, of seeing what this is talking about. It is perceiving in other realms of what is God doing. And we are able to soar into those things. And so, and it says, uh, da, 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 da. and it talks about that they worship without ceasing day and night. That's verse 8. Here's the thing. There's no day or night in heaven. So what is, uh, that's again, I believe that this is again actually a picture of us because there is day and night on earth, but there's not in heaven, but it's a symbol of showing uh, us that day or night, the worship of his presence is what leads the throne in this ecstatic display. Because this is, so now that you have this image of, oh my gosh, this is us. He's seated on the throne of our hearts. And he is growing us into his image through this process. And it says that when they, the creatures, when the creatures worship. So that's us. So when the creatures worship, without ceasing, day or night, And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the was, the is, and the coming. The 24 elders throw their crowns on the floor and lay before Jesus. The context can be understood that it's not, that is whenever those creatures say holy, 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 that's when the 24 elders throw their crowns down. So think about that. Whenever you come in worship and you go, I'm worshiping you, Jesus. All of heaven and the throne explodes. The 24 elders 
throw their crowns down because they're like, I know you gave me this victorious crown, even though you were the one who did it. (laughs) And they throw this crown down and they worship him. And they get back up and then you worship again and they fall back down. It is actually, it is what the creatures do is what determines the act of worship around the throne. That's pretty exciting. That is what the throne sees your worship as. That is what it hap- that's what happens when you step into the worship. You may not be feeling worship, but they are. <laughs> They're on the floor already. <laughs> and so day or night, whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to the one who's enthroned and who lives forever and ever. So think about that. If we just focus and we go, man, this is what my worship is. I give him glory and I give him honor and I give him thanks. All of heaven recognizes that. If you just sit there and go, man, I just want to give you all the glory and you think about how you can just give him everything and then you think about, man, how can I honor you and exalt you and then, and, and by that time you'll probably already be in the heavenly places but then once you start giving thanks it'll just break everything free and it'll, it'll just elevate you into that presence into that throne room experience. And it says, I surrendered their crowns and the, the 24 elders say, You are worthy, O Lord God, to receive the glory, the honor, and the power. For you created all things, and by your plan, circle that word, plan, they were created and exist. That same word plan means pleasure. So they're saying, You created everything for your pleasure, and they exist because of that. Why did God create Why did God create us? He created it for his pleasure. Some people will be like, oh, well, he created it so he could be worshipped. Or he created it so, you know, he could have fun creating things. I don't really know. But it says, but in reality, it says, no, I created it because I love them. I created it because I enjoy them. I created it for my pleasure. I receive joy and pleasure because, well, look at what I created. Look at this. And that is why Jesus saw us with so much value that he would pay the ultimate price so that he could marry us. It was for that pleasure. It is for that joy. And that is what he wants to take us into. And so, I want you to think about this. All of these things, I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over until you're sick of it. But I'm going to keep saying it. Verse 1, Revelation 1, verse 1 says, This is the revelation of Jesus given to him by God. Essentially, I mean, it does a whole long pattern, but it, it was given to Jesus by God. So think about that. Is Revelation really about the world burning up and 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 God killing a billion people before his wedding and, and, you know, all these weird disasters happening? Or is it that Jesus needed a revelation of who he was, what he was supposed to do, and what was going to happen by him being obedient? 
Because he became fully a man, and God, was gonna, and God said, I'm going to give you the revelation of who you are. If you don't believe me, go read verse 1. I'm going to show you who you are. This is who you are, Jesus. And when you are obedient, when you do these things, this is what the throne's going to be like, and this is what you're going to do. And these are the people that you are going to die for, and this is what it's going to look like when you get to marry them. And so you look at the, the creatures. Oh, that's the growth of them inside of me. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Oh, look at the 24 elders. They're reigning with me. Yes. Oh, look at that rainbow. Yes, it, it is that they get to see me and they get to be in me 100% complete to the 42nd degree. And is the, is the scroll really all these terrible things or is the scroll him unlocking us into our destiny? Are the judgments really him hating the world so much that he just wants to blow them off the face of the earth? Or does the word say that I desire no man perish? What if the disasters are the things that keep you from him? What if, what if all of the, uh, the judgments on the earth, which is man, is actually him throwing judgments at the things that keep you from love with him, that keep you held back from your destiny, that keep you held away from his presence? What if that is what Revelation is painting, a picture, a parable, you might say, of us inside of him and him reigning with us? And so the crystal sea of glass, of the presence and the peace that we're going to live in. And all these things are accommodating us to understand who we are in Christ and what our relationship to Him looks like. Because the more I read this, I go, wow, that's amazing. And as you read Revelation, go read Song of Songs. Because it is the same book in a different wording. The Shulamite is us, and the king is Jesus. And he says, come up here so I can show you things. And the king says, let's go to the high mountain of spice. It's the same thing. What I read you today is how Jesus talks to you. And how we see in Revelation of how he adores us and how we are created in him and, and how vehemently passionate he is about us being completely free and victorious and alive in him and so he's going to destroy all the sin inside of us it is all a beautiful letter to us that jesus said i'm going to share it with you so we won't go any further because i will totally spiral out of control with the unopened scroll that Isaiah sealed the scroll, but now Jesus gets to unravel it, which is really exciting. And so, I really don't know how to top what I just said, but <laughs> all to say that God takes great pleasure in us. He's not mad and angry and trying to find a way to catch us in our problems, but he is actually mad and angry at the things that keep us away from him. Because he is so passionately in love with us, and he's inviting us into the high place of spice. He's inviting us into the, the heavenly realms, and he's creating in us the different the, the stages of our growth inside of him. He wants us to step onto that crystal sea of peace with him. He wants us to come boldly before his throne.
You need to get the identity as a child of God and a bride of Christ. You need that identity because if you were raised in the throne room, you would just boldly come into it. Hello, Dad, I'm back. I was down on earth doing some of your work, you know, but I'm back. I don't knock on the door and come into my house real slowly and tiptoe through. I burst the door open. I'm back. Here I am because I come boldly into it. This is my home. He's saying, come boldly into that throne of grace. Come boldly into my throne. Don't be ashamed. Don't be. And if there is any shame, I want to rip that away and just get rid of it and get you totally free and be, let you be a conquering victor inside of me. That's the identity he's painting. That's what Revelation is releasing you into. And so I encourage you to rest in that and to let that dwell inside of you. Well, it looks like I just blinked and we're already here. <laughs> we will continue more next week, I'm sure. So let me, let me pray over you. Sit with that for a little bit. Desiree, did you have an ending song for us? Yes, she does. Okay, good. Well, if you'll come up and start hooking that up, I'm going to pray. Let's just pray and end this out. Um, have a great week and all that fun stuff. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you allow us to step into your, your throne room of love and grace and that we get to love you and be with you worship you and lay our crowns before you god you have made us victorious you have made us free you have made us alive and we just want to thank you for that and cherish you and all that you've done so lord i just pray right now that you would release the truth of your word into everyone that we would eat the scroll and that it would become who we are that you would fill us with your spirit this week and that we would go out in boldness and freedom in this new lifestyle that we live in. God, if there is anything that keeps us bound, anything that keeps us broken, anything that keeps us away from you, I just pray that you would just go after those things passionately and that you would reveal them and that you would set us completely free to love you, that we would turn to a new reality. So Lord, I just I bless everyone, bless them with divine encounters and dreams and visions and an exciting week inside of you, that they would commune with you every single day, and that you would just fill us with your joy. Thank you so, so much. We love you, Jesus. We love you, we love you, we love you. It's all for you. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the thanks. In the name of Jesus, amen.